talk to you about overcoming failures. Who is getting the glory? Who is getting the glory? Now, when you hear me talking about failures and you hear me talking about overcoming failures, you're probably like, what does this have to do with who's getting glory? And I'll explain that to you. I first want to explain to you something that I've been thinking a lot about, especially the last, I guess you could say last few days, last week. And that is that how grace operates. Uh, There are really three main things that grace operates through. Uh, One being that grace operates through faith. The Bible says that is by grace you are saved through faith. Now, I know that's talking, the principle's talking about salvation, but that principle is very, very um, prevalent as well in, in your life of ministry, your life of relationship with God, where grace literally means the divine influence upon the heart. You know, we, we've heard this at this church. Pastors preached it. Bishops preached it for years. You, you've heard about this word grace, divine influence, supernatural empowerment, the power of God flowing through a life, divine power of God flowing through you. And the Bible says that it is by faith that this grace will flow through. And that it talks about in salvation, but it's also talking about in ministry. So essentially, in order for grace to operate, it needs a vessel of faith. What that means is that if you want divine influence upon your heart or divine influence upon your life, you've got to give God faith. You've got to give God your vessel surrendered so grace can flow. So it has a channel to flow through. You see, grace doesn't just happen because you show up. Grace doesn't happen just because you want it to happen. Grace happens because faith has given a channel for grace to flow through. For by grace you are saved through faith. The other two things that grace flows through is knowledge. One thing in Second Peter talks about how grace, the divine uh, power of God, flows through knowledge. And then the lastly, uh, grace flows through righteousness. Romans chapter 5, it says that in grace reigns through righteousness. So if you've got these things, these three things working in your life, then you can expect the miraculous. You can expect the power of God. If you've got faith, a yielded vessel of faith, if you are receiving God's righteousness, and if you are continually putting more knowledge of the word of God inside of you, then grace has channels to flow through. And yes, they're all connected to some degree. But tonight we're going to talk more about how grace has to flow through righteousness. If righteousness is not working in your life, then there's no power of God that can flow through you because it has no channel. So what happens is that when we begin to struggle, we begin to uh, stumble or fall. We begin to deal with something called condemnation. And what happens is when you deal with condemnation, you begin to internalize your failure, which now you have destroyed the channel for grace to flow through. Well, amen. Let's um, think about it like this. <laughs> a, fa- a, a failing, stumbling baby is cute and exciting, <laughs> right? The baby starts to stumble and fall all over the place. It's like, oh, he's, he's, he's making progress. She's making progress. They only could crawl three days ago, but now at least they're trying to, you know, they're growing, right? Well, for a baby... 
that starts to happen, it's very exciting. But when a Christian starts to, oh, no, 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 that's not allowed. A baby can stumble all over the place. A baby can, 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 uh, can trip and make a lot of mistakes. But a Christian, mm-mm-mm-mm. no, can't. Nope, not allowed. I was thinking about this. And I'm like, you know, the funny thing is that when you even come into the house of God, you can see people from the age of two years old falling all over the place to elder people using canes because they've been falling all over the place. So really, you will fall and you will trip no matter what age you are. It doesn't matter how strong you are. <laughs> it happens, right? So you're, you're going to trip, you're going to fall. And while we think, now, you might not think it's as cute when you're 80, 85 because it's a little bit more dangerous, but it's understandable. You're not like, oh, it's so cute. You know, my 85-year-old grandmother almost broke her hip. <laughs> That's not cute. But, hey, it happens, and I'm glad she's okay. But in the church, spiritually, oh, you trip, you fall. Mm, damaged goods, you're no good. <laughs> Light bulbs are starting to go off a little bit. I, I don't, I, this, some of you all need to eat. I wish you ate before you came to church because some of you... Oh, boy. So when a baby falls and it trips, oh, older person, oh, that's not good, but it, it's understandable. Young person, they were being a little bit reckless. They broke their foot. They, you know, they come in with casts on. My, my point is that it really doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been living on this earth. There are accidents. You will trip. You will fall. You will break a bone. You will get bruises. You will get scratches. But for some reason, the devil has convinced us that if you've been in the church more than a week and a half, if you stumble, something wrong with you. If you trip and you fail, you're, you're no good. They're, they're really, the Lord has no use of you. That doesn't make that doesn't even the Bible says doesn't nature itself teach us. There's so many things in nature that teaches us that actually these are natural, normal things that happen to us. And one of them being falling, tripping, failing, falling. That is part of life. And it happens all the time, no matter how careful you are. Because sometimes it's somebody else's recklessness that makes you trip. You can be as careful as you want behind a wheel, but somebody else was being reckless and they caused you to be in an accident. And that's what happens in the church. You see, it doesn't matter how cautious you are. There's a very good chance you're going to get hurt. You're going to fail. You're going to fall. Whether it's your fault, whether it's somebody else's fault, or whether you did it to yourself. Or whether God just allowed some circumstances you can't control. You know, it was God who's, who, or Jesus, who talked about the house and how the one was built on the rock and the one was built on the sand. If you if you study that out, that was completely out of their control. When the rain started falling from above, the flood started coming up from underneath and the wind blew from the sides. Things you can't control. But what it did is it revealed what your foundation was. It was to reveal what is your foundation is your foundation in him. We're going to get beat up. We're going to fall. We're going to fail. God is if you can get this through your head right now, I'm telling you, it's going to help you a lot. God is not after perfection. He's after correction. 
Let's try that again. God is not after perfection. He's after correction. But you see, a pharisaical spirit will tell you, you got to be perfect. You better not fall. You better have all your eggs in the right basket. You better look right. You better talk right. And you better not do anything wrong or people will think you're a fraud. That's not, that's not what the Bible says. In fact, Jesus hated that attitude. Jesus looked at the woman who literally could barely get anything right. She, she had all these husbands and all these, let's call them friends. And, uh, and he's like, he's like, you know, lady, your, your sins are forgiven. Why don't you follow me? But a Pharisee who had the right wife and had the right clothes, the right position, and the right all these things, and probably to the natural mind didn't look like there was much failure. Jesus said, you are full of dead man's bones. You're full of venom. You see, we think Jesus was nice to everybody. I mean, he, I guess you could say he, he was nice in the sense that it was for their, help their soul. <laughs> It wasn't necessarily something you wanted to hear. But my, my point is that we, some, for some reason, and I'm not, this is not just about, this is about us as a humanity in the body of Christ. And I've had a chance to travel some and be around other people. Trust me, I'm not talking about just this church. I'm talking about humanity in the church of the living God. It's so easy. For us to discount failure and to discount somebody who's tripped and to say, you know what? They are damaged goods. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus, his attitude towards people that would that were that were failures in the eyes of people. It was let's let's give them a second and third and fourth and fifth chance. He understood that people are going to trip and going to fall just like in the natural world, just like in a natural life. They're going to do it spiritually. They're going to trip. They're going to fall. They're going to hit their head. It's just part of walking with God. People say, oh, I've been in the church 40 years. I shouldn't stumble. Everyone of all ages breaks bones. Everyone of all ages gets bruises. Everyone of all ages cracks something, hurts something, scratches something. Literally, life is full of brokenness and failure. And that's the beauty of it because you see, he's going to get glory out of it. I want to show you something. I'm, <laughs> this could be an epic fail, but we're going to try. We're going to do a little object lesson here. Why don't Brother Ian, can you help me? You mind helping me? Thank you, man. Um. I want you guys to look at these two bottles here. Brother Ian, if you can just hold one of them. Yeah. Now, does anything look different? Does anything look different in these two bottles? So the difference is actually nothing. They're the same exact bottle. But watch this. I want to show you something. Ian, you can stay there. Watch this. You see, these are two bottles that are actually the same exact company. Forget which one. Let's just pretend Deer Park. Same, same exact bottles, but one is severely contorted, broken, crushed. The other one is, well, I guess you could say transformed. And while one bottle is transformed, 
The other bottle is crushed, but you see they're the same exact bottles. And so what happens is when we come to God and we say, God, I want to be used of you. And God, I want you to forgive me for my failure. Watch out. (laughs) Pastor, it's water. I promise. Uh, Put it sideways. Watch this. We say, God, I want to be used of you. And so he's got a conduit to flow through. You see that? Do you see how the water just flowed right through there and just went to the other side? Let's pretend there's a bucket, but let's actually pretend it's a soul on the other end. This is the conduit, or should I say, this is you who's been transformed by the power of God. This is you who've allowed God to help you with your failures. This is you who's allowed God to come in and clean you out, clean you up, and you've opened yourself up for the grace of God to flow through. You see, this is this bottle right here is faith. This is faith. This is righteousness. This is knowledge. This is you allowing God's faith to work in your life. Now you've got righteousness and innocence, and you also are receiving the knowledge of the word of God, and you're allowing God to forgive you of your failures. Now hold this one. It's the same exact bottle. You see, God's spirit, this water, flowed through here so nicely, so easily, so powerfully, just right into the other side, or should I say to the other area that it was trying to flow to. But you see, this bottle that is crushed, that is broken, that is not even open, the cap is on. Now, let's put it sideways again, Brother Ian. Thank you. And let's let God flow through this bottle. This isn't working too well. It's not even getting in. But you see, guys, this is the thing. There is absolutely nothing different about what's trying to flow. What's different is, is the vessel been transformed? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Thank you, Ian. The water couldn't even get in this one. Look at the difference. How is it possible In the same church service, you got a vessel like that right there and another one just like this right here. And when you watch them in church, it's like, man, God is using that one powerfully. The gifts of the spirit. There's the miraculous. Is this maybe this one just maybe they're just they're just not good. Maybe they've just failed too many. Maybe they're just God doesn't love them. No, the only difference is. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, that you'd be transformed by the renewing, the renovation of your mind. I feel the Holy Ghost. You see, we compare these two like they're two complete different entities. It's the same exact vessel. One is broken. One is hurting. One has not allowed God to heal them of their failure. It is the same exact bottle, but there is no effectiveness in one while the other is being mightily used for the power of God that has the same exact ability through this one. But it's only flowing through this one because this one chose to be transformed and open. It's got two sides. It's got both sides to be a conduit for it to flow through. You see, 
It's not that anything's wrong with you. It's not that there's anything wrong with the power of God. The problem is you have not allowed God to transform you and, and to come down and heal you of your mistakes and heal you of your wounds and heal you of the stuff that God has allowed to happen in your life so that he can make you an even greater vessel. That once you were like this. Once you were like this. Most of you came in like this. Most of you came in just like this. Right, Brother Lewis? This is how, this is how most of you came in here. But what, what, what concerns me is that while mo- just about everybody came in like this, not everybody's sitting there like this. Who's going to get the glory? I want to talk to you guys about something that really, really helped me. First, I want to remind you of the scripture in John chapter 10. It says that the thief cometh not, but somebody help me to steal, to kill and to destroy. But the scripture says that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace and joy. You want to see what the Lord did right there? He that literally he connects those two things because the devil knows, my God, if he can steal your righteousness, he can kill your peace and he can destroy your joy because the devil sees a vessel. He says, if I can just get my hands on the vessel, if I can get the vessel to not be willing to be transformed and not be willing to let their mistakes be forgiven and to not let God come down and begin to heal their wounds and allow that vessel that was so broken so so corrupted and destroyed to let god come down and make it new then he can steal your righteousness he can steal the channel for where the peace and the grace the power of god can flow through Woo! i said that faith is a vessel for grace to flow through i said righteousness is a vessel for for grace to flow through in knowledge and those three things have got to be in your life or there'll be no power of god and you've got to let those things happen for the transforming power of god to allow there to be a flow in your life and if there's no flow it's because you're living in condemnation and that literally is the difference between this guy right here and this guy. The two differences is one is living under condemnation and one is living in righteousness. That's it. Righteousness is innocence. Righteousness is where you get restored. Righteousness is where God makes you right with him. Righteousness is where you are now in right standing with God, where it's just as if you never did what you did, what you thought, what you said. It's gone. We're, we're, tonight's just going to be an object lesson fest. I don't know. I don't know what this is about, but I got another one for you, Pastor. This is crazy. <laughs> You're rubbing off on me, uh, Brother Gus. Let me use you. You're going to be the judge. He'd be a great judge. Go ahead, brother. Sit right here, brother Ian. I'm sorry. If you can sit right here, I know. You're just. I'm using you a bunch. Uh, somebody else who's right nearby, Sister Lauren. I know you. How about? brother brian i know i know i'm not and then uh cheyenne come on let's get some youth involved you can sit right here brother brian you guys okay it's all right all right good and then um let's use brother josh come on josh all right i want you guys to see this right here 
I want to help you out with something. We're talking about perfect shine. You can sit there. We're talking about brother Josh. You just stand here. Just stand right there. We're we're now we're at a court scene. Brother Gus is the the judge. You got your gavelin, your hammer. There it is. And uh, brother uh, Ian, well, huh? He's the enemy. Is that what you want? All right. He he's the plaintiff, so he's the one accusing. Cheyenne's just so nice. She's going to be the defendant. And you are the one that's being defended. (laughs) And Brother Josh, I'll tell you who you are in a minute. I want you guys to watch this. This is literally, this is literally how Satan works. Literally. This is how it all works. In fact, if you read your Bible in Job chapter 1, you'll see this scene. Watch. Brother Gus is the judge. Brother Ian, he's the accuser. The plaintiff, he's he, he's here to, to, to tell all about Brian's business. And so Brother Ian is, is telling the judge, you know, Brian last week was looking at something he shouldn't have looked at. And then Brother Brian said something he shouldn't have said. And hey, judge, guess what? I'm going to tell you something about Brother Brian. This is this is coming from right here from Brother Ian. Let me tell you something about Brother Brian. He says he's a Christian. He goes to church, but. You see, he doesn't act like he, he doesn't act like a Christian because he said this. In fact, I'm pretty sure he thought this because he acted on this thought, you see. Now let me tell you else about Brother Brian. Brother Brian hates somebody and you know, he, he really doesn't, and he's just going on and on and on and on accusing Brian of all the wrong he did this past week. You see? Because he's the plaintiff. He's the accuser. This is in the book. This is in the book. He's the accuser. His job, his only job is to tell the judge how bad he is and to bring up things that he actually did. Then we got Cheyenne over here. She's the defendant. And she's the advocate. The spirit was the advocate. Actually, if you look at it in the Greek, it means lawyer. And she starts standing up to the accuser and says, no, that's not right. Because you see, he asked for forgiveness. He said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of the things that I said. Forgive me for the things that I did. Lord, let your blood cover me. Lord, let your blood wash over me. And so she, right here, the advocate starts speaking to the plaintiff, the accuser, and says, you don't have anything on this man, Brian, because... He's already come to me. He's already talked to me. He's already, I'm standing up for him and telling you what he's already said. He's already asked for forgiveness. He's already asked for it to be washed. In fact, I got something even better for you. Come here, Jesus. In fact, not only has he already asked for forgiveness? He's already asked for the things to be covered. The substitute has already stepped up and said, you know what? Let me go ahead and take whatever you're accusing him of. I'll stand in his place and I'll take it for him. And the judge 
while he's trying to accuse because the blood has covered because the blood has just washed over the accusations that the judge has nothing no evidence does the judge have no evidence does the judge have to use against Brian because there already was an operation in the spirit where the blood already came and took the accusations and covered them and said they didn't happen I've already taken on the substitute because when he repents and he's talking to the spirit of God the blood of Jesus Christ has intercepted the evidence Jesus I said the blood has intercepted the evidence because the accuser of the brethren's only job is to bring evidence up to the judge and try to act like a false judge you got to hear me right now the Bible says it's once appointed for a man to die then the judgment if you're hearing judgment before you before you stop breathing you're listening to the wrong judge I said, let me say that. If you're listening to judgment before you took your last breath, it's because he's trying to step in and act like judge. But you see, we've already got a just judge. We've already got a son of God, the blood of Jesus Christ that has intercepted. Oh, Jesus. I'm telling you right now, there's some revelation. I can feel revelation in the house because some of you don't really believe that. You think, oh, he's right. He, that's true, devil. Yeah, you're right. You're the accuser of the brethren. That's true. And you sit there and you let him talk your ear off about how bad you are, how messed up you are, how many mistakes you made, how much of a failure you are, while you've got the substitute waiting for you to step up and say, Jesus, get your blood to cover. I need the faith and the power of God to cover this right now i need your righteousness and as soon as that happens boom covers protects wipes away the evidence grace operates transformation operates the judge you see we've got it so wrong we think our judge is wanting evidence to use against us but our judge is actually saying i came down as a man i robed myself in flesh i became the substitute sacrifice so my blood could be shed for you and i try to give it to you so that i can wipe away the evidence it's just as white as snow it's just as if you never did it but we don't have faith We don't have faith in the righteousness of God. This is literally, when you see, when you read the book of Job, you guys are okay? Thank you. You can stay here for just one more minute. In the book of Job, you watch how Job comes to God. He says, Satan, what you, Satan comes to God. He says, what, what you been doing? He said, I've been going to and fro. What was he doing to and fro? Looking to accuse. Looking to accuse. And God's like, well, Satan tried my servant Job. And this is before the substitute sacrifice even. <laughs> but it's a very similar, it's, it's that, it's that scene where the just judge is going to make sure that you are in the right place if you will put your faith and trust in the blood. The blood is what wipes away all evidence. So the adversary is trying to grab stuff from your past that God doesn't know what you're talking about because it doesn't exist in the court. It's been wiped by the blood. Thank you guys so much. You guys are awesome. Appreciate it. The next time you fail, the next time you struggle, the next time you make a mistake, 
I feel, I feel the Lord in here. You try, I'm telling you, I feel something in this place. Because there are so many of us that we don't see him as a just, loving God who's made it possible for the blood to literally cover, to wipe clean. And we just look, oh, God's going to strike me. God's it's once appointed the time for man to die, then the judgment. All that stuff that Satan's trying to accumulate before you die is him trying to accumulate evidence that Jesus Christ will easily wipe clean if you let him. <laughs> is it okay, Sister Singh? He will wipe it clean if you let him. But if you decide, if you decide to live your life like this, he's just compiling evidence because you didn't have faith for God to transform you. And you're not letting him wipe clean so you can become transformed like the other bottle. Same vessel, completely different response, completely different flow, completely different impact in the world around them. Failures. They're not final. I had an experience one time where it was actually probably one of the most amazing experiences of my life. I was, um, I was laying in bed one night. I think it might have been an afternoon. I was just resting. And God gave me a vision. And I, I started to see this vision of a young, well, actually, I knew the man. I saw a man preaching at Youth Congress. And he was preaching, and the power of God was falling. But in the vision, it almost like it started down here at his legs, and in my mind, I knew who, he was, who it was preaching because this man actually has preached this conference before. And he's preaching and the power of God's falling. But as I'm looking in the vision, it starts to, it starts to, to kind of uh, pan, like panora- started to pan up his body where he's preaching. And I'm watching this pan. And as I'm looking at him, it's like he's got a short sleeve shirt and there's tattoos all up and down his arm, all up and up, up his, there's a sleeve all up his arm, tattoos and all around his neck. And I'm seeing this vision and I'm seeing this man of God preach and I'm like, what is going on? Like, he doesn't have those tattoos. What what am I? I literally was sort of confused. I'm like, what is this about? I'm like, ah, whatever. I put it on the shelf. Didn't think much about it. But I knew I saw something very interesting. Man of God preaching, had all these tattoos, and he was being mightily used at a major, major youth congress. I'm like, huh. About maybe six months later, three months later, I'm preaching at a church in our district. And after I preached at this church, a young man that I work with quite a bit comes up to me and he goes, hey, I got to tell you about my cousin. Man, God's really using him. The power of God. Like, he's got an amazing testimony. And I'm like, cool. I'll meet him. So I go up and I meet him. This young man's probably like 20, 19, 21. And, and you could feel the power of God on him. This young man was hungry. And it's my, my friend's like, yeah, man, like he's really got an amazing testimony. Like God pulled him out of drugs. God pulled him out of all this stuff. God pulled him out of all, all these things. And, and he, you should even, he's like, this is so interesting. He's even got, he had a long sleeve shirt on. He's like, he's even got like tattoos, like all up his arm. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then all of a sudden, Holy ghost, boom. And I went, it was like, I got shocked. And the Lord went, reminding me of the vision. And I went, you've got 
tattoos all up and down your arms? He said, very sheepishly, yeah, I do. I said, no, that's okay. I said, let me ask you a question. Do you have tattoos all up your neck? He goes, yeah. He goes, you know, to be honest with you, I'm a, I'm a little ashamed. And the Holy Ghost came over me. And the Lord showed me that this was the man in the vision. I stopped him in his tracks. I said, don't you ever tell me you're ashamed of those tattoos ever again. Because I'm going to tell you right now. I said, I want you to roll your sleeves up. I want you to walk down the street. I want everybody to see your tattoos. Because I'm going to tell you right now, God's going to get a whole lot more glory out of you than he can ever get out of me just walking down the street. I said, because when people look at you, they're going to see your past. They're going to see who you used to be. And the devil's trying to beat you up. He's trying to tell you that you've made too many mistakes, that all that is bad. I said, no, that is good because God is going to get glory out of who you used to be. His eyes got all this big. I said, young man, I'm going to tell you right now, the hand of God is on your life. You're called to preach and I want people to see those tattoos so they can see who you used to be. Now they're going to find out who you're becoming. Oh, God. I'm trying to find out in your life who's going to get glory out of your failure. Is it going to be the devil? Are you going to hide everything? Are you going to put everything under the side and put it under the covers and say, I don't want anyone to know about this because then they're going to know I'm messed up. They're going to know I was a failure. They're going to know I was a drug addict. I said, get out of that mindset. The lost need to know who you were. They need to know that such were some of you, but you've been bought with a price. My God, you got to get out of this mindset. You're failure is not final and it's actually going to set you up for the glory of God we don't believe it we try to hide it all I'm going to tell you right now either the devil's going to get glory out of condemnation for your past or God's going to get glory out of you making a testimony out of your past you choose your failure will determine whether or not you're going to be used of God and whether or not you're going to allow that to become the greatness and glory of God flowing through your life Or you can let it be condemnation and let the devil get the glory for who you were. Or God can get the glory for now who you're becoming. We get The devil gets us so twisted in the mind about how, oh, if you come into the church, if you come into the kingdom, you got to act different. Now, yes, you do act different, but you got to have it all together. You got to make sure everything's right. You never make a mistake. No. You see, the problem is that we actually fail our way into success. The way that you get into a relationship with God, just like a child learns how to walk, is they trip, they fall, they get back up. They say, you know what? Last time I tried tried to get up like this it didn't work this time let me try to get up like this you see failure is what teaches you failure is what shows you how to live for god but you see the devil used failure as condemnation god uses failure as bringing you closer to success I my I have lived under a cloud of condemnation. I've been there. I I know what it's like. I mean, in one time, I, God told me to reach out to somebody to witness to somebody. It was I think it was, might even Brother Whaley helped me with this. I can't remember, but I was beating myself up like crazy because God said witness to X Y Z whoever they were at some place, and I didn't do it. I got scared. I got I don't know. I just didn't do it. 
And this was literally me as an 18, 19, 20, 21 year old when I didn't obey God. Oh God, I hope you forgive. Oh God, God, oh God, oh, I blew it. I blew it. Literally, that's how I acted. And one day God spoke to me and said, you know, while you're busy beating yourself up over the one you didn't reach, you missed about 10 others you could have reached. While we're busy thinking about yesterday, we are missing completely what God's wanting to do today. That is why the Bible says, Paul said, I am letting go of those things which are behind so that I can reach forward to the things which are ahead. Here's the revelation. God always leaves your future just out of reach while you're holding on to your past. In fact, he doesn't let you have both. You can't have both. You can either have your past and give glory to the adversary, or you can let God help you to get into your future and now let it become a testimony. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. That's how you overcome. Why do you think the devil's after your past? Because he don't want you to overcome. He don't, he don't want you to understand the power of the blood, the power of the substitute sacrifice, the blood covering you. He doesn't want you to understand that. And he doesn't want you to understand what happens when the blood gets applied to your life. And now you got a testimony to say, such was I one of those people. I was a fornicator. I was a drug addict. I was, uh, this. I was perverted. I was confused. You, you used to be that, and now God's getting glory over what you used to be because now people can actually see the glory of God and the power of God working through you. But the devil uses condemnation to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I want to ask you again, are you a transformed vessel? Are you a vessel that is yielding by faith for the grace of God to flow through. Are you allowing righteousness to cover your life and intercept the evidence that the devil's lying about so grace can flow through? Are you allowing the knowledge of God, his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher, to get into your mind to transform you so the grace of God can flow? I'm going to start to land the plane here soon, but it is possible, very possible that we could be in the church for 25 years, 30 years, 35 years, five years, doesn't matter, and be just as broken as we were when we came in. Because it doesn't matter. It's not about the oil. It's not about the spirit. It's about the vessel being willing to be open for it to flow through. That's why that same power, that same anointing, that same glory fills this house every single Sunday. And you got vessels walk out like this. Well, you got other vessels that walk out like this. Because some choose by faith to be transformed and not let their failures define them. While others... Choose to be considered just a broken, messed up, never good enough. You are valuable to God. You are of great price. He wouldn't have have died for you if you weren't a great price. He shed everything for you. The adversary wants you to sin. He wants you to sin. Because guilt is his tactic. 
You see, your past is just the vehicle. Hear me. Please hear me right now. I want to help somebody. I want to help you. Your past, your failure, past mistakes is the vehicle the adversary uses to keep your mind off of God's promises in your life. That's his vehicle. Because here's the thing. The devil can not make you sin. But he gave me, God gave me a vision one time and it really, really helped me. Because I used to struggle a lot with condemnation. He showed me, I don't know, it was just a saint, an individual. And it was like they had this long wick, like a dynamite pack on them. And a long wick. And all the devil did was come over and say, you're never good enough. And walked away. All he had to do was drop the thought. And then the individual self-destructed. That's how we work. The devil drops the thought. The devil drops just a little thing in your mind. And then we self-destruct. Because he can't make you sin. He can't make you do anything. He can't violate your will. God won't violate your will. So the only way, <coughs> the, only way the devil can stop you is by you stopping yourself. You see, Samson was not destroyed by the Philistines. Samson gave himself over to the Philistines. (laughs) Samson gave himself to the Philistines. God gave him so many chances. Look, dude, that girl's bad news. He gave himself over. And he got his eyes plucked out, the very thing that put him there in the first place. You see, condemnation paralyzes us and it steals our faith Mm. jesus name i i don't have time to get into it but if you will allow yourself to study some of the bible characters and their failures it will help you a lot and i'm gonna tell you right now one of probably one of the most impacting revelations about abraham was the story, I think it was, I think Bishop might have preached it. He talked, I think it was him, talked about Genesis is Abraham from the perspective of humanity. But Romans is the perspective of Abraham from God's point of view. That really helped me, because I'm going to tell you right now, you see, oh, Abraham had such great faith. Abraham, this, faith, 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 faith. And you're like, well, (laughs) when I read about Abraham, he was... uh, pretty Mr. Dum Dum sometimes. He really made some bad decisions. But God is giving us hope through that. He's showing us that we will make mistakes. We will fall. We will fail. But if you apply the blood and you allow it to be counted for righteousness, you receive the righteousness of God through the blood atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, then you will make it and there'll be no evidence. You see that Satan can't come and talk all about Abraham and all this evidence when the blood had already covered all that through the sacrifice. That's why Romans don't even talk about it. It's talking about after, the way that God sees Abraham. The the man that Abraham was in God's eyes was a great man of faith. How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? Do you go to Jesus and let him cover you? Do you realize that this blood will cover you and make you right with him? Jesus' name.
Jesus' name. Let's begin to just close for a second. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'd help us in this place to yield our heart, yield our vessels, no matter how broken, no matter how shattered, no matter how many wounds we've endured from family, from friends, from it doesn't even matter. Whoever it is that's wounded us, God, remind us. I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody just needs to pray right now for just a moment. We've got to let the Lord deal with our hearts. We've got to let the Lord deal with this vessel. You are perfectly, beautifully broken. And if you allow God to transform you, you will grow and become everything he's called you to be. Come on, go to the righteous judge. Go to your advocate. Go to the blood of Jesus Christ, the substitute sacrifice, and allow the power of God, the anointing of God to be resting on your life so that you can walk and allow there to be a faith channel for grace to flow. Come on, some of us need to open up some wounds again and say, God, I am broken. God, I am hurting. God, I have made some mistakes, but no, Lord, I know you love me anyway. Lord, I know that you care for me anyway. We've got to be willing to say, God, I know you love me. And even though I don't love myself sometimes, God, I know that you love me. Lord, help us in this place. Help us to overcome the failures that we are facing. Help us to overcome the failures that we are carrying. Help us to let them go. Help us to lay them at your feet, God. In the name of Jesus Christ.